Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Investigate beautifully detailed scenes of the 1920s, finding out what happened to her or your in the game, sister. With hundreds of mind-teasing puzzles, the next clue is always within reach. Search for hidden objects from the parlours of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. Each chapter uncovers a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve, and I've had a lot of fun. Currently on chapter 7, making progress little by little, tapping away on my phone to get all the puzzle pieces in place. While searching for the murderer, or whatever happened to your sister, you get to decorate your own island with gardens and buildings and chat and play with other Others by joining a detective club. It's a lot of fun and very social. I play while I'm on the train. It keeps me active between my journeys to London and I love the time limits that are pushing me to find those clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, you're back on On the Edge with Andrew Gold, are you? Well, you're going to be in for a delight today because Dr. Shaham Das, the handsome, stylish psychiatrist from the Psych for Sore Minds YouTube channel, he goes by the ominous Shahominus. That's what his subscribers call him. Uh, he's a delight to work with, a delight to talk to and, and interview. And he's going to be talking today about the Chad Daybell and Laurie Vallow Daybell case. We've already had Mike King on just a few episodes ago to explain what happened. And it's such a complicated case that I think it's one of those, like I remember, uh, I'm going to show off now, but 100 Years of Solitude, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, uh, there was a map at the front of the book because there are so many different members of the family and the sort of diagram helps you to remember who everyone is. They also all, almost have the same names, if I recall right, which is crazy. So uh, it is a little bit like that. And when Mike King, the private investigator, or former, sorry, uh, not private investigator, but detective, I think he was, um, who in, he busted cults and things. But when he came on the podcast to discuss it, we, we sort of tripped over our words and got the names wrong a little bit. So uh, I think we got it there in the end, of course. And Dr. Tom Das and I have a little issue with that but he's pretty good at getting it there but just to remind you guys this is Laurie Vallow Daybell she went through loads of husbands two of them died uh the last two the the fifth one was was Chad Daybell and two of their children who are not their genetic children but are their children I think were found buried and cut up in their backyard um Chad Daybell the man there was a uh, was a Mormon and then sort of opened up his own weird cult, doomsday cult and they believed everyone was, was zombies everyone was a zombie all sorts of mad things and it, I just thought you know what I've done this episode with Mike King I want to understand a little bit better about the psychological profile what's actually going on in the heads of Laurie and Chad and that's what Dr. Shahom is here for and we did two episodes that are a little bit shorter each one but add up to a full podcast so this one is of course about the Daybell case and the other one is about uh, Warren Jeffs who who was the head of the 
FLDS, LDS being Latter-day Saints, the church associated with the Mormon church, but the F at the beginning is fundamental. It's an offshoot, uh, a, a branch that they've created in this extreme and very cultish FLDS, not to be confused with just the uh, LDS. Um, so that's coming up. Uh, well, at the same time, go watch that. Go subscribe to uh, A Psych for Sore Minds. Support Shoham Das, uh, Dr. Shoham Das, I should say. And support me on patreon.com slash Gold. But now you're on the edge of the Daybell murders with Dr. Shoham Das. Dr. Shoham Das, the eminent, the preeminent psychiatrist, the ominous shahominous, as I like to call him at least. Uh, he's on the show to discuss the Chad and Laurie Daybell or Vallow Daybell case. This is the former Mormon. I've been told Mormonism has nothing to do with it, so I don't mean to group people in, but he just is a former Mormon or was part of Mormonism, and we'll get into that a little bit. Chad Daybell and children, unfortunately, v- tragically, were discovered in his backyard. Shall we go over the case a little, Dr. Daz? How are you doing, and what is the crux of this story? Mr. Gold, always a pleasure to see you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. So if you talk, talk about the crux of the stories, it's actually quite hard to summarize because there's just so much that happened, but I will try and go through it quickly so we can get onto the juicy stuff. Here's a summary of, of the events, right? So you've got two different perpetrators. You've got Chad Daybell, born in 1968, married a woman called Tammy, and I'm mentioning her specifically because she's one of the eventual victims. They had five days, uh, five kids together, I should say. Then he started writing doomsday books. That's how he made his living. Again, this is relevant. He moved with her in 2015 to Idaho um, because apparently some voices told him to. And again, all these things that I'm specifically mentioning in are potentially relevant. Then you've got the other perpetrator. So that's Laurie. Uh, Valo, 1973, she was born. She was married four times in total before Chad. So five in, in totality. Her third husband was a man called Joseph Ryan, and they had a daughter together called Tylee, who again is one of the victims. Fourth husband is Charles Vallow, who's like the main victim. Um, and they had, they got married in 2006. Then they adopted a young man called JJ or a boy called JJ in 2014, who is the grandson of Chad's sister. That all makes sense so far? Yes. Yeah, that's that's yeah. like 1% of the story. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. But um, there's so much more. So, um, then in 2007, Laurie's brother, who I believe is called Alex, assaulted the husband at the time, Joseph Ryan, and threatened to kill him. Um, he didn't physically hurt him, and he, he small, served a relatively small sentence, but he also comes back in the story. Then Laurie becomes obsessed with Chad's writing, so she loves all this doomsday cults. cults. It's not overtly a cult at that point, but this, the doomsday uh, prophecies in all of his books, so she keeps buying his books, she's always talking about him. She decides that she no longer wants to be with her husband. She becomes a bit obsessed with Chad. So she tells Charles that she wants a divorce in 2019. She also says, and again, this is potentially significant in terms of symptoms of mental illness, that she believes she's a deity and she keeps talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. So initially Charles agrees to go for the divorce. Then in 2019, he goes to her house to collect, pick up JJ, who they adopted together. And then, um, Laurie's brother, Alex, shoots and kills Chad, shoots him twice in the, f- in the chest. Didn't, re- re- remarkably didn't get charged or arrested, uh, didn't get um, prosecuted for it because. Well, he didn't he kill Chad. Was... No, no, Ch- Charles. Was... He killed Charles. Oh, uh, you said Chad. Do you want oh, to say that sentence again? Sorry. Shoots then, and kills Chad. Then Laurie's brother, Alex, shoots and kills Charles. 
And amazingly, he didn't get prosecuted for it because he said it was in self-defense and the police seems to have bought that, so there's no charge. Then, and and again, what I find quite interesting is Laurie was present when that happened. She was arrested and questioned by the police, obviously. She was laughing at the time. She was nonchalant. And later on that day, they had a pool party. So I think that oh. lets you know about her. Are you saying, ah, oh, because you're excited about the pool party or the lack of empathy? <laughs> Just the lack of empathy. Oh, my <laughs> God. I know, because these things don't get you, Sean, because you're working with it all the time. So you're, but that is absolutely, that's abs- and also because you're a psychopath yourself, but that is absolutely mad. It's, he's not really a psychopath, everyone, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, I'll keep going. And then um, in September 2019, Laurie takes the two kids, JJ and Ty, Ty Lee, to Idaho because that's where Chad lives. Remember, he's still married at this point. Um, and then they get together. Um, very mysteriously and suspiciously, a, in October 2019, a mask assailant tries to shoot Tammy with a paintball gun, but she manages to get away unharmed. Ten days later, she turns up dead. And then Chad, her husband, doesn't allow there to be an autopsy. And according to the, the laws in that state, that's allowed. So, so they don't, they don't wow. ever find out at that point that her cause of death. Then Laurie and Chad in November 2019 get married in Hawaii. The police start looking for JJ because the extended family are worried that they haven't seen him for months. Laurie says that he's in Arizona. Police go to Arizona to look for him, find out that he's not there, come back with a search warrant. By this time, Laurie and Chad have legged it to Hawaii, but interestingly, they flew by themselves, i.e. with no kids, even though she's supposed to have two kids. Uh, Then Laurie's brother, the potential kind of assassin on her behalf, uh, dies in very suspicious circumstances. Uh, and then eventually come, come to modern day to, to the trial in January 2020, the court orders Laurie to produce her kids and she doesn't do that. And in June 2020, they find human remains in Chad's property of JJ and of Tylee. Tylee's extre- extremely burnt and mutilated. So that's basically the background behind it all. There's a bit more to say about the trial. Wait, Laurie's brother, what, that's Alex, is it? Mm, yeah. And he, what, did he die? Yeah, he died under suspicious circumstances. It's thought... Uh, I mean, she, I she never got charged for it. Laurie eventually got charged for the first degree murder of a children, but not of Alex. But it was just odd that he disappeared. So this is just to, to summarize, I suppose, what you've just said. Laurie and Chad Daybell got together. It was his, her fifth husband. She'd killed a couple of them. She'd used her brother Alex to do so. Alex Cox was his, was his name. And then he's died after that in suspicious circumstances. I don't think she killed a couple of her, her husbands. I think she killed one. As far as we know, the other one got attacked by a brother. Yeah, another did die. Okay, it was that. Was so that it my... is the most complicated thing ever. <laughs> I had um, Mike King from Profiling Evil on to to sort of break it down, and he's like as familiar with as anyone. Could. He's like made websites about this. He's got diagrams, and he was still halfway through. Like, hang on a minute, hang, wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this web of absolute insanity, and I, I guess that leads me to ask a question. You and I have. I mean, you've you've explained. I just sat and listened really um, have, about folly adieu before um we were talking about those swedish twins and i think they jumped around on the jumped off the motorway bridge or something like that in the uk that's an old episode we did is do you think that plays a role because how i always wonder how do you get these two people who are completely insane together yeah that's an interesting one it doesn't have the flavor of folio to me because that usually happens where you have two people that are kind of in the same environment growing up together or living together who kind of in at the same time come to the same set of delusional beliefs to me this feels much more like chad is i think laurie is clearly psychotic and chad might have some sort of grandiose beliefs but i think he 
I think I think I think he's manipulating her to a degree rather than them both coming up with the same delusional beliefs at the same time. Am, am I explaining that correctly? Why the why they're slightly different? Mm. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. Because in in Laurie's defe- in defence, as in Laurie's during the trial, her defence team uh, stated that she was quite vulnerable and that his beliefs were quite convenient. So I'll, I'll be specific. He said that he believed that they had been married in a previous lifetime, so it's not sort of cheating if they get together while she was still married before she offed her husband. So it doesn't. It feels more like um, I'm not saying Laurie's not to blame because I think she is, but it feels like Chad was manipulating her through a lot of what he was saying. He he also said that Jesus apparently approves of their plan of what they're doing together. Oh my word. So it's so hard then to know who's to blame here. Um, going into Laurie, have you come across many people like that? Who and, and how would you from afar, I know you can only speculate to an extent, how would you go about, let's say that was presented to you as a, as a case you've got to look at, what would you start with? with yeah. And um, you said yourself, I can't, I can't come to a solid diagnosis without assessing her in person, but this is what I'd be thinking before I assessed her, if I had that information. The first thing I'd be thinking is, or noticing, is that these beliefs didn't suddenly pop out conveniently at the time of the killings. They'd, they'd been there for a while, right? So she told uh, Charles at the time of their divorce in 2019 um, that, she, that she believed she was a deity. And she threatened to kill him. And she also was talking about the second coming of Jesus. So the reason I mention all this is because unless she was, she was planning it out very, very craftily, which I don't think she was, I, I, I do genuinely believe that she had some psychotic beliefs and they were there before the death of her children. She didn't think, she didn't make them up afterwards to make the killing more convenient for her. That's the first thing I think. The other thing is that she was apparently found incompetent to stand trial initially. She was eventually trialed quite recently. That was in May 2021, I believe. And you've got on, you've got to think what's going on there. Is she faking it or is that reality? Usually it's quite hard to fake mental illness for a proper psychiatrist because you get to look at all the medical notes and you get to assess them in person and you get to observe them either in prison or in a, or in a psychiatric hospital. Uh, so either she's completely pulled the wall over somebody's eyes, which is possible, but I think unlikely, or she actually was not fit to stand trial, which would kind of tie in with somebody that has delusional beliefs. She gets treated and then she gets better. But the other thing is that there is no insanity defense in Idaho, which where she was tried. So you've got to ask the question, why would she do that? Because she's only kind of prolonging the inevitable, really, isn't she? Because you, if you're found incompetent to stand trial, then you're treated until you're well enough. So it's not stopping her going to prison. It's, it's elongating the trial period, and then she's going to end up going to prison eventually. I suppose the counter-argument could be, well, maybe she just would rather spend as much time, if she was faking it, which I don't think she is, outside of prison in a psychiatric unit even if it's a locked one than in prison and i think we've discussed this before because being in a psychiatric unit is not necessarily in, it depends on the state i suppose uh, nicer or better than being in prison yeah i mean the ethos is for rehabilitation so the the furniture etc in the environment might be nicer but it's still a locked ward and your movements are still kind of controlled by the psychiatrist and the, and the staff in there yeah does does not the fact that they buried the children sort of hidden beneath the ground in the garden suggest that they were well enough to know that what they had done was wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly right. So uh, I can't remember when we've talked about this before, but something that immediately a bell that rang in my head was the case of Andrea, the case of Andrea Yates. So I won't go off on too much of a tangent, but just to put it in perspective, she was a woman who also had quite bizarre religious beliefs about her children being possessed and going to hell. She systematically drowned and killed all of them. 
but it's got a very different flavor to Laurie's case in that, first of all, she, she wasn't trying to run off and start a new life with a new man. Plus, she didn't try and hide her actions whatsoever. She told, immediately phoned her husband, then immediately phoned the police herself. And uh, so I suppose it's a very different flavor to somebody like Laurie who's going out of her way to try and hide evidence and just try and escape. Do you ever see that film Shutter Island? Yeah. Reminds me with of that Leah. ending. God, so harrowing, that ending. And she's just like, what done what she's done with the kids. Uh, and he's just like, what? And she's like, yeah, they're better now. You're like, oh my yeah. God. Horrible. Yeah. Um, you talk about psychotics. You might have had psychosis or something. What is that? Is that something that if you did an fMRI, can you see that? What What is psychotic? Uh, so first of all, I'll explain what it is and then I'll tell you the, the MRI question. So a, a psychotic episode or a state of psychosis is stepping out of reality. So it's different from a personality disorder like antisocial or like being a psychopath because those things are ingrained in you and you're there. They, You are those things all the time, every day. Whereas a state of psychosis can come and go. So something that can bring it on might be drug-induced psychosis, something that might get rid of it, could be medication. But while you're in a psychotic state, you there's there's different uh, symptoms, but the two most common by far are, are hallucinations or delusions. So hallucinations would be typically hearing voices. I know in films you see people that see images, but those are actually very rare and are more common in like um, in things like brain tumors, so actual structural issues rather than rather than psychotic illnesses. Uh, and the second one is delusions. So delusions we tend to see are grandiose or paranoid. So grandiose would be thinking that I'm a deity, like Laurie thought, uh, and paranoid might be this. So this stuff about how she believed her children were full, were um, zombies and had been possessed by other people, and she talks about demons and evil spirits and she seemed to buy into the whole idea of the end of the world coming which kind of fit in really nicely with the books that um, chad was writing and what about yeah the fmri i mean can you see that in somebody no so no functional mental illness can ever really be diagnosed with any kind of investigation you need like clinical acumen you need somebody that's seen it hundreds of times to be able to do it properly it's so frustrating that because you want to, you know, you want to be able to measure somebody's psychosis. Maybe one day they'll have the equipment to be able to actually see the tiny differences in the brain or something. I think the problem is, is that it's on a very cellular level. It's about receptors like dopamine binding to receptors. So I mean, it's possible in the future, but not anytime soon. I mean, you can, you do have rating scales. So you can rate the intensity of an illness, but they're all, the validity and reliability is a bit dodgy, let's say, because it's all self-reported. So somebody can appear you know, you can't fake an MRI scan, right? But you can, you can influence your answers in, in a rating scale. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. So the beliefs about zombies and things now... That's okay, psychosis and stuff. But then there are a lot of people who are, um, and I'm not talking about regular, a regular religious person or whatever, but there are people who are just quite religious and they do believe in, you know, a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, believe in the end of the world and they, you know, but they don't have psychosis. So like, how do you know? How do you differentiate? Yeah, it's a good question. So before I answer that, one thing I, I that think is quite interesting is that religion comes up a lot in the patients that I see in terms of their delusional beliefs. So Often, in fact, more often than not, it's people that are not actually religious themselves, but there's something 
if I suppose if you're paranoid, then the chat of the end of the world, hell, brimstone, fire, the devil, all of those things tied really conveniently to your state of mind. So I think people absorb that as that's the first thing I'd say. And yeah, to tell the difference is it, it's really quite difficult. I mean, by, by definition, a delusion shouldn't be in keeping with your cultural context. So as you say, if you, if you grew up in any kind of extremist community cult and you believe the same as everybody else, then that in itself technically is not a delusion. Um, but I think this is different because I think is it, they're in the Church of Latter-day Saints, weren't they, as well as Mormonism? Did I get that right? I think it might be the same thing. Oh, is it the same thing? Okay. Um, even though they have bizarre beliefs about the end of the world, these were very, you know, and, and if she had those beliefs, those wouldn't be delusions if I was assessing her, but believing that she herself is a deity, plus visions, I forgot to mention that she apparently had visions that she reacted to, so they would also be a psychotic symptom that is different to what can be expected from your typical Mormon. Okay, I've just looked it up. The Mormons primarily belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so they don't all. And I know with Warren Jeffs that we're going to talk about in another episode, it's the Fundamentalist Church of Latter-day Saints, the FLDS. So it's, there are slight differences. LDS is the actual church, I suppose, the denomination or, or, or something like that. Um, so, okay, they had these visions. And then what's going on then? And, and these are hard questions I'm asking because obviously you don't have them with these people in front of you. But Alex is this guy, Alex Cox, who's the muscle. He's going in and doing all these things for Laurie. So then again, we've got another person who must be a true believer of Chad and Laurie and all these things and is willing to kill for it. Like, does it suggest that maybe this is not... Uh, at what point... And I know this is a difficult existential question. At what point do we go this, well, what's mental illness and what is, you know, people joining a cult? Because they, they all seem to just buy into these ideas of the apocalypse and zombies and did what they did. Yeah. So I suppose another way of answering that question and probably the most important from the legal perspective is do they have a psychiatric defense, right? We know that she was charged for the um, first degree murder of two children, so obviously it didn't work, but theoretically... Um, I, there isn't, there is no not guilty by reason of insanity in Idaho as a defense. If there had, I am a hundred percent convinced that she wouldn't have got that psychiatric defense because as we've already talked about, you either don't know what you're doing or you don't know what, what you're doing is wrong. And the very fact that she tried to escape, that she lied, that she tried to have, uh, hide evidence, all of that suggests that even if she was delusional, she still knew what she was doing was wrong. And, that, and I think that's what's going on. I think she does have delusions, but she still knew what she was doing was wrong, even though they were, they were, uh, her actions were kind of encouraged by delusions. What I think's a bit of a more uncomfortable and sticky question is, is could she potentially have had the finding of diminished responsibility? So not guilty by reason of insanity, as, as it suggests, means that you, in the eyes of the law, mean you're not guilty. doesn't mean that nothing happens to you. You probably get um, transferred to a psychiatric unit for long-term rehabilitation rather than prison. But in the eyes of the law, you're not guilty. Diminished responsibility, again, what it sounds like is that your level of responsibility is, is diminished. It's less. So instead of murder, you get done for manslaughter. And I genuinely think there's there's a reasonable uh, possibility that she could have had that psychiatric defense. I don't know whether it exists in Idaho. And obviously I've not seen her myself. So if she is lying about these beliefs and she just made them up, even though she had them before, if she made them up conveniently to try and hide her actions, then 100% she wouldn't have got that defense. But if she genuinely believed all of these things, then I think she might have been able to get a defense of diminished responsibility. So murder would have gone to manslaughter. And then why is Alex just doing whatever she wants? Sorry, what do you mean? Uh, the brother. Why is he just going like, oh, you want these people killed, do you? Okay, oh, right. I'll just okay go before, he, before he died. I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe he's 
gullible. Maybe he's kind of influenced by her. Maybe he's intimidated by her. I really don't know. Really don't know. I think he did Hard have some learning difficulties. So okay. I, there might, might be something to do with that. Yeah, Let's yeah, say yeah. Um, Laurie Vallow Daybell pops into your psychiatric office, or like I guess she's been arrested, but they've sent her to you. What do you do to go about with treatment, or do you just go, this is just a lost cause? <laughs> well, firstly, it'd be, I think it'd be really hard to, it'd be, it'd be, I'd be able to assess it in person. That's not a problem. I can do that with anybody, really. Any decent psychiatrist should be able to. But it's really hard to get a timeline of how her symptoms have changed. I imagine because I'm fairly confident she won't have ever received any psychiatric treatment, right? Because if she lives on the fringes in these very weird kind of religions and they're not going to recognize this as mental illness and she's never, I'm almost certain she'd never have been treated or medicated or anything. As to the question of whether she can be rehabilitated, the answer is yes, in theory, if you gave her the right medication and she had these, these beliefs and if they were related to mental illness, as opposed to her conveniently trying to make them up then yeah, in theory, she could be rehabilitated. And I know a lot of people listening to this and certainly other people in my career have said to me that people like this don't deserve a chance at rehabilitation. And I suppose that's a whole different sort of grey ethical topic. But I think that if somebody, I don't even think of, it, think of it as right and wrong, I think of it as risk. So if somebody's risk can be decreased, then we should try and use our resources to do that. Um, if she's in prison for the rest of her life, then it makes pretty much no difference. I suppose uh, if you're being humane, you'd want to get rid of her symptoms if they're bothering her. Um, I know she got a life sentence, but I don't know if it's like a full term life sentence or not. Do you know? I don't know. I don't know the differences between all those things. So what people often misunderstand is they think that like a life in pr- uh, life sentence means life in prison, but it doesn't. So life sentence means that you're supervised for the rest of your life, but your tariff is the minimum amount that you can stay in prison until you're up for parole. She might be there. I mean, she should be She should be in prison forever, surely. There's no chance of parole for someone like her. Um, yeah, pro- well, uh, I think there's a chance. There's a chance of parole after several decades if her defence team made a strong enough argument that, um, that she was manipulated by Chad. What do you think is going through her mind and Chad's mind at the actual moment when they are suffocating these children, which are basically their children, and then cutting them up and putting them in the garden. Yeah. I suppose my answer to that would be, and I, st- I still don't know the answer to this question because it, it, even with the, everything else, public knowledge is not that clear. If she, I think she was delusional, but how delusional was she? Was she so delusional that she was absolutely convinced that her children were zombies, as she said? Is that the truth? If that's the truth, and she probably didn't feel that much remorse or guilt at the time. She probably, in her head, thought that she was doing what she had to do. But if that's not fully true, if she wasn't fully invested, or if that's simply a bullshit excuse that she's saying afterwards because she wanted to kill the children so she can move on and have this life with this new man, then, well, it's pretty sickening to think what was going through her mind, I suppose, wasn't it? Just that she'd have that kind of colossal lack of empathy that she'd be willing to end the lives of her own children for that means it's uh, almost impossible to, to contemplate. Do you think they might be psychopaths? No. And the reason I'd say that is because psychopaths tend to be really criminally versatile and they tend to be like cunning and manipulative throughout their entire lives. Um, and they lack empathy and all those things. And clearly what she did w- was a huge, huge, huge lack of empathy, but she's not, neither of them have got this pattern of um, regularly offending. Do you see what I mean? Mm. Well, she's had people killed, though, and they killed. They had his his wife killed. They had 
two of her exes died in suspicious circumstances. The brother died in suspicious circumstances. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's true. But she doesn't. I don't, like psychopaths are not just people that reoffend over and over again. People that have social personality disorder might be that. But psychopaths are people that are really cunning and manipulative and charming. I don't think she's all those things, to be honest. Mm. What's the difference between psychopathy and antisocial personality disorder? So psychopathy is like antisocial personality disorder plus a little bit more. Antisocial personality disorder is being impulsive, aggressive, lacking empathy, not caring about the rights and wrongs of other people, not caring about the law. So they tend to be kind of career criminals like your thugs and your drug dealers. And they tend to commit repeated but low-level offending violence. Whereas psychopathy is all of those things, but you're really charming, manipulative and deceitful and you slip into society a lot more. So you're not a thug or a drug dealer. You're somebody like, um, I don't know, Anna Delvey, you know, you're kind of fraudsters that do really well and seem popular and seem charming on the surface. Yeah. YouTubers, popular psychiatric YouTubers, for example. For example. For me, uh, <laughs> obviously Chad had this big following about his doomsday cult and things like that. From a psychiatric perspective, how do you think Chad and Laurie Daybell were able to gain and maintain control over their followers? Yeah. So I, I would imagine that they don't just prey on like a wide, normal section of society. They already get the attention of people that are either already Mormons or, or are kind of inclined towards that kind of belief, either from their own backgrounds or maybe they're feeling vulnerable and they feel that society turned their back on them and they, and they want to feel like a sense of belonging. And this is kind of all the victims that end up going to cults. So they're already primed to try and find another explanation, another type of values, another kind of way of thinking about life. Uh, and then like a charismatic leader comes and tells them all the stuff that they're either paranoid about or, or really want to believe in the back of their minds, like the second coming of Christ. I think it's a combination of slight brainwashing, but invulnerable individuals, not your average person. And then when, is there a way for people to intervene you know mental health intervention when they see these things getting out of control or is that it, it must be difficult because it's then it's an impingement upon people's liberties to practice their religions right yeah unfortunately there's there's it's really hard to help people in those situations unless they've gone past the threshold of being detainable so you can section them under the mental health act there are other things you can do you can offer the, you can offer them appointments in the clinic you can offer them medication like antipsychotics but if they're not interested in complying, there's no way that you can force any of that treatment on them. And let's face it, people in that situation are not going to want to comply because they don't think they're mentally unwell. Even if they did, they probably don't want to take your antipsychotic medications that make you put on weight and make you tired all the time. So unfortunately, that's, that's one of the big limitations in psychiatry. You have to wait till somebody's crossed that threshold where you can prove that they're a danger to themselves and other people and then section them and then treat them against their will if necessary. So had hypothetically speaking, had somebody known Laurie's intentions before she did what she did and killed the children, if she telegraphed it or something, or even if she communicated it with Chad, for example, hypothetically, and the, the psychiatric services found out about that, they could have stepped in and treated her at that point and potentially have prevented this all happening. What would be your biggest concern, again, from a psychiatric point of view, about the surviving children from that family? What kinds of things might they suffer from and, and, and how could psychiatric intervention help them going forward, the other children? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, the, at some point, they, they're going to get traumatised. When I say at some point, because it kind of depends on in, an individual's like, sensitivities, their resilience, whether they even find out about it. I suppose they're very young, it's probably shielded from them to a degree. But 
it's never going to be shielded from them in the long term because other people are going to find out. Kids are probably going to find out. They might get targeted, bullied. I mean, I hope this doesn't happen, but let's face it, it's, it's relatively likely, isn't it? When they find out their backgrounds, it, mu- it must be really crushing because it's not just that they've gone through trauma. It's the perpetrators of people that they are supposed to be their caregivers. I think that would really, really mess with their minds. Um, and on top of that, they were probably brought up in a, with some quite weird values and beliefs in the first place. Like, and if they're quite young when they're being exposed to this, then it's, you don't have the kind of cultural maturity to know that it's all bullshit, really. Your kids believe what they're told to, to a certain age. So to answer your, to, to your question, I think they probably are likely to be psychiatrically damaged in terms of what that damage will be. It could be anything from anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, depending on what they witnessed. Um, often people and children that are brought up in these kind of environments go on to be quite self-destructive in their behaviors, whether that's through self-harming, overdoses, being sexually promiscuous, um, sometimes, sometimes alcohol and drugs. So a whole range of potential, um, quite sad outcomes, really. It's just, yeah, the worst thing. I mean, th- those are, I mean, they're, sur- they're the survivors now. We talk about the victims who ended up in the, that backyard. But these are, there are many children, you know, he's got a whole bunch of children, Chad. I think there's like five kids he's got. Yeah, he had um, five kids to tell me. That's right. Wow. Garth, Emma, Seth, Leah, and Mark. Um, and they've all spoken out about it. And, you know, f- difficult life. I mean, so they presumed it. I mean, presumably they're seeing psychiatrists and things, you'd think now. I hope so, yeah. I don't know how robust the American system is, but in the UK, they absolutely would be, yeah. Thank you, Dr. Shahamdas, the ominous Shahamdas. What a pleasure to speak to you again. Hope you guys, I hope that was clear enough. We sort of went back and forward a bit. I just enjoyed talking to the doc about a few of these mental psychological conditions. Hope you guys did too, and that you'll check out his channel, A Psych for Sore Minds. Um, I, yeah, and go and look at the other one. Go and look at the other one about Warren Jeffs, a completely different case with some similarities, I suppose, in terms of the religious beliefs and things and a lot of differences. Really uh, an interesting, horrible case. See you over there.